Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Body Positive Mum podcast. I am your host, as always, Adele Johnston. And today I have a very special guest with me. And I'm very, very privileged that she said yes to coming on because she's an extremely busy lady and in demand for what she does. You'll have seen across my social media that I put up some question boxes and I do have everybody's questions ready to go when the time is right throughout the podcast. So I'm welcoming Kathy McDonald onto the podcast today. And Kathy is a business owner herself in the art of communication. So Kathy, do you want to maybe, I don't know if I'll do this a justice for you. So do you want to maybe give us an overview <laughs> on who you are and a bit about your background and, and how communication became your past and present really? my thing yeah your thing (laughs) well thank you first of all very much for inviting me on and uh, it's fair to say yes I'm busy but um, it's always an equal privilege to be asked to come and share communication Mm -hmm. tactics Um, I suppose uh, my background to paint a picture career wise was as a police officer and I knew really early on as a kid that I wanted to be a policewoman and all that (laughs) sort of thing but as it happened it ended up being a perfect career for me And that took me into the world of hostage and crisis negotiation, um, an area of work that's quite covert. You'll not hear much about it. You'll not see much about it anywhere. Um, And we we dealt with, I I still want to speak in the positive tense. I finished doing this five years ago and I still say, yeah, we deal with it. We deal with that. Um, It's still very much a big thing for me, communication. So, yes, we dealt with everything that you would imagine uh, within that name uh, conveys. The key thing was wherever there was a communication barrier, that's where we would be asked to attend and support and try and help. And that took, I mean, the thing that we were mostly deployed to was suicide interventions. And Scotland, whether we like it or not, has an exceptionally high level of suicide and attempted suicides. So there wasn't a weekend went by when we weren't out on a high place somewhere um, helping someone in personal crisis uh, come back from the edge and so on. Um, But... That's one end of the spectrum. If you think of it, um, it was really important that we we learned to connect, understand and influence in that situation as quickly as we possibly could. All the way through to the other side where we dealt with kidnaps and um, extortion and that included international, whether people were taken for financial gain. So the kidnaps that you hear about perhaps in Nigeria um, or the Somalian pirates taking, you know, people kidnap off, off ships. And that film, Captain Phillips, I mm-hmm. don't know if anyone's ever watched that, but wow, that is pretty close. The negotiation, I have to say, I sat there with my, um, my head, <laughs> shaking my head a couple of times. But in general terms, we had um, a captain taken exactly in that situation. And um, the, when I watched the film, it was exactly his story, 100%. It could have been written by him. Um, so that, if you think of it, is the, the, the other end of the spectrum. Negotiation for kidnap tends to take a bit longer. And then I had everything in between from sieges to um, uh, barricaded incidents to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, oh, I can't find my words today, Adele. I don't think you should trust me to speak to anybody. Um, protests. That was what yeah. I was thinking yeah. about. So basically, communication um, uh, uh, blockages. Now, 
when I finished my career, I thought it was, it's very much a passion. And I thought I could maybe use it. And then a few people asked if I would work with them. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was the start of it. Word of mouth. And I built my business on ethics. I always give more than I ever take. Um, and hence, you know, if I'm mm -hmm. asked to do a podcast, if I possibly can, I will do it, especially if it's aimed to help. Um, and um, just word of mouth. And that is it. Seldom to advertise. I do have a website and have social media, but I don't really advertise much. Mm -hmm. And I just go where it takes me. I don't have a big business plan. I don't have ideas of where I'll be in a year's time. I just tick away and take life as it comes that's amazing and here we are yeah and that's absolutely. it yes i mean it's phenomenal just thinking about it. so i met kathy through an online business mentorship and kathy was a guest speaker on there and it was one of these things that as soon as we were even just part way through that webinar i was sitting taking down so many notes thinking jesus this this is like this is gold dust for any parent out there as well. So although your background is very much in hostage negotiation, protests, you know, all of the kind of stuff that normal people like me don't really see and, and hear about a lot, you know, you've kind of been in the heart of all of that conflict and I suppose a lot of it very heavy emotional barrier as well. And it was just something from my own personal point of view, I thought, you know, someone like you could probably give parents like me and others and the listeners on this podcast a very good insight into how we could as parents be very effective communicators with our children sure. and ultimately that's well, why I'd asked you on this podcast episode yeah well let's see what I can do to help yeah I guess you. the thing is you what you highlight is really important Adele mm. in that a lot of the um, let's call it a communication structure. Mm -hmm. um, I had to have something that helped me from the suicide intervention, but at the same sort of structure I could call on um, right through to the more business orientated negotiations, you know, where you were, there was manipulation going on rather than somebody just in a, in a bad place. And um, that's what I have. And that transfers exceptionally well into every area of life at home, socially, and at work. And I think that's possibly why I'm still here five years later mm -hmm. um, delivering communication because it just connects. And someone, um, I started within the fitness industry after um, I finished work. Someone in the fitness industry said, can you help me as a personal trainer? I'm taught how to help someone lose weight, how to make them strong. I've got all this stuff, but actually communicating that and influencing it. How do I stop my clients eating donuts? <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, stop telling me lies about them eating them when I know they are and they tell me they're not. Um, if I call my client a liar, I'm not going to have them as a client anymore, but that really is the crux of the, what the, the, um, the, the difficulty. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think as parents, you've probably got a harder job than I ever had <laughs> um, because you're, you must feel at times you're being held hostage. You must feel that you're between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. And where do you go? And the thing is, I did my work and then I handed it on. And then I walked away and I didn't have to deal with the same people. Sometimes I met the same ones time and time again, of course. But in general terms, I didn't, whereas you do. Mm -hmm. And you have a relationship to continue after you've had that communication. So um, all respect to every parent out there. I think sometimes you've got a harder job than I ever had with my sexy title and you know all <laughs> of that stuff. So I suppose um, stuff that will help then. 
Oh, and I, I used to be responsible for training the negotiators as well. So okay. what I'm going to share with you now is basically what I share with them. Yeah, brilliant. Um, albeit there over a longer period of time. Um, the first thing to get our head around is that emotion is massively important in communication and understanding emotion, how it impacts on us, how it impacts on other people and what that does to communication is massively important. Mm-hmm. And I call that one of the foundations being able to read people and connect and understand all comes from emotion. If you think of it, the way we speak, our pace, pitch and tone is influenced by emotion. How do you speak when you're feeling angry and frustrated about something to when you're feeling calm and controlled? There's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The words you choose. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had an emotional event, Adele? Oh, God, like yeah. a real emotional <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure my husband will be like, yes, quite on occasion, Dale. (laughs) And we all have. And if we think of it, what came out of our mouths at that point would probably be um, words that we wish we hadn't used or we have to repair afterwards because they tasted good at the moment. And that's the thing. When you want to deliver that one liner that you know will taste good, you haven't, you know, two seconds later, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to repair that. Why did I do it? That's emotion at work. Emotion dictates um, how we listen, our ability and our desire to listen, mm-hmm. um, which is massively important communication. And it also dictates um, our body language. So all the movements that we make are, you'll find some of them will be habitual. We generally mm-hmm. have habits when we speak. But when these change, that's emotion at work. So being able to read someone, Mm -hmm. the face gives the most emotional clues, but basically everything else does. Hands do as well. And we used to look out for when we were speaking to someone, when we saw the hands coming into play and Mm -hmm. then coming near to the face, we knew that emotion was increasing. And when emotion is increasing, communication doesn't work as well. So Mm -hmm. we have to be careful of what we're communicating at that time. Um, Imagine me trying to explain something particularly important to you and there's something within my explanation triggers you Mm -hmm. and I see you getting angry or frustrated and suddenly you won't want to hear what I'm going to say you'll have stopped listening to anything else because you've got that little seed burning away Mm -hmm. and therefore if I don't identify that either by watching your expressions or picking it up by your responses I could continue to speak and believe I'm being heard when I'm not so that's sort of some of the reasons why it's important to identify emotion Um, And also, it works quicker and far stronger than logic. You sometimes will know what you want to say and how you want to say it. Mm -hmm. You'll know what's right and wrong in in your own mind of where you want to go, but emotion gets in the way and mucks it up. And there's a a book called Switch. Uh, Now, I'm not a big book reader. I'm not going to pretend I am. I tend to read research papers and I listen to books, but I can't sit them up. I'm long enough to properly read a book. But there is a book called Switch and it speaks about, in summary terms, emotion being an elephant and logic being a little pilot, you know, a little guy sitting on that elephant's back trying to direct it through the the jungle. And when emotion, i.e. the elephant is calm and the pilot pulls right, as you would in a horse, then that elephant goes right and so on and so forth. And when logic and emotion are in balance, the world's a pretty good place. Mm -hmm. But what happens when that emotion changes? and it becomes stronger. Well, there is absolutely no way that that pilot sitting on the back of the elephant can direct the elephant anywhere. Mm -hmm. The elephant will go where it wants, and that is emotion. Mm -hmm. 
And it doesn't matter if that elephant is herding its way to the top of a cliff and it's about to topple over. There's not a thing the pilot can do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say to people, you know, an example of this is, have, have you ever been in love with the wrong person? I think have everybody, a, <laughs> everybody sorry, in a form, I mean, yeah, in a form of a relationship will have, yes. I know at some point. Um, if you've been, you know, the logic knows this person's maybe not the best one for you, but emotion takes over, you know, and this love is blind thing. Well, that is in every area and that includes communication. So in summary, if emotion is high, communication doesn't work very well. And we have to work, first of all, at managing that emotion and getting it low, getting it balanced out. If you think of a seesaw, I mean, high emotion as the seesaw, high at one side, the yeah. logic low at the other. Let's try and balance that out. And I'll give you a few tactics how to do that. Um, and the next thing is to identify what emotion am I seeing? Is it a positive one? Now, I know that there's an idea that there's no positive and no negative emotions. In my old world, there certainly was. We looked on happiness as a positive. Um, and maybe surprise sometimes is a positive. But Mother Nature's a bit of a a pain at times. I'm sure she works against us because there's not that many other good emotions, if you think of it. Mm-hmm. Within Darwin's theories, we looked at anger, contempt, disgust, fear, surprise, and joy. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then every other emotion spans from that. And out of that, there's only really one that's fully happy. So we call that positive. And communication works better when there's an, uh, an attract. You know, when we... It, there's this law of approach and law of avoid. If we like something, we'll approach it. If we mm-hmm. don't like it, we'll avoid it. Do we approach people who are smiley and happy? Yeah, yeah, they're welcoming, right? So you think I want to, I want to be with them, and mm-hmm. that's it. So that encourages an approach, and then emotion. Uh, sorry, communication can then actually flow pretty well when there's this approach. Mm-hmm. Now, a first impression, and you see somebody and they're angry, frustrated, or in a mood. Do you want to approach them, or do you want to avoid them? Yeah, absolutely. You think I'm not going there? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely it. not. So we want to avoid. So the whole idea is to help communication flow. We have to create an environment that encourages people to approach. And you might think, well, that's okay for you to say, um, but that's really difficult when I am at home with, especially during lockdown, this has been tough for families. Yeah, Especially those working from home, Mm -hmm. homeschooling, without, you know, skills. And it doesn't matter how good a parent and how good you feel you are, you don't have the same skills as a teacher. And that Mm -hmm. is overwhelmingly difficult as well as your normal day-to-day thing. And probably most mums and and dads out there will feel their time is never their own anyway. Mm -hmm. They're last on the pecking order of the the wants. If, you know, it's... I mean, I remember back to being a kid. I was born and brought up in Kinross in a council estate and we had four kids in our household. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I look back now with, with a different reflection than I did at the time. Um, but I remember as a kid, mum was always the last to put stuff on her plate. Mm-hmm. She always had sort of the smaller helpings. She was always the last to buy something for herself. She looked after everybody else first. And quite often, I don't know if a lot has changed in many households now that mum always puts herself sort of last. Yeah. Um, and that means that in a very busy COVID situation with a busy house, when do you ever get your own space? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's going to be demanding. So I think yeah. let's accept that this has been a very difficult period anyway for everyone. Massively so agreed with emotion. that, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's something as well. I think as as I 
work with a lot of clients and, and la it's ladies I work with, the majority are mums. And that's spot on, you know, straight off. One of the very first things that we start to look at is actually how much downtime and self-care time do you allow yourself? Because, you know, we, we can all make time for that, whether it's just a, a bubble bath in an evening or, a, a, you know, a small 10, 15 minute walk on your own without anybody else there to listen to an audio book, you know, or, or to take in a podcast. And, and, and I think, like you've said, with the whole COVID and lockdown situation, routines have changed. So maybe where women were commuting to work or, you know, doing the school drop and then going home and having that time to themselves. They don't have that now. So you're absolutely spot on. And and I think, yeah, just I'm nodding away and, and trying to not say, uh -huh, mm -hmm, because it disrupts the podcast as it goes through for the listeners. But, you know, I'm nodding away to you and, and yes to everything, because I think with having children as they start to, to you know, from birth right through, their emotions grow, develop and change. And we start to see from, you know, maybe from around about nine year old up that their their emotions play havoc with how they act, react and communicate with us as their parents. And there has been a lot of questions come in, which we'll, we'll cover off probably towards the, the end of this. But a lot of them are in that world of, you know, emotional outbursts and how we as parents can maybe communicate better during those times. And I think what you've said to summarise as well, just on what you, you've stated there is the art in all of this is one, listen. And and two, I think from what I've taken personally from this is if our children are in a moment of emotional outburst, they will not listen and hear anything we've got to say. So how would we deal with that then? What would be the next kind of step for if they are in that moment of severe emotional overwhelm? what would you say is a great strategy for a parent like me to be able to then move on and, and achieve from that situation? Yeah, I reckon a bit of what I'm going to say will you already do okay. because you guys will have learned a lot of strategies and a lot of tactics <laughs> that sort of give you space. Maybe not learned, but maybe winged them. <laughs> found our way by accident. In my world, it was always let them vent. That was it. Don't stop anybody on an emotional outburst. Mm -hmm. Now, unless there is drink or drugs involved, emotional outbursts seldom last a long time. Mm -hmm. If they do and somebody refuels and gets going again, they're sort of manipulating it, I would say, a genuine emotional outburst because somebody suddenly, like the straw has broken the camel's back, somebody, some, you know, there's a trigger that goes pow, mm -hmm. that'll last for a minute or two. Okay. And actually, when, um, as human beings, we give clues about what's really the issue with us. They, we give a little window into what we value, what we believe, what we need and what we want every time we speak, mm -hmm. especially when we give our opinions, mm -hmm. especially when we have emotional vents. So actually, if you can learn to listen when someone is venting, it saves you an awful lot of work yeah. <laughs> because they will tell you far more when they're emotionally um, uh, um, thrown it out there than they will when they're logical when you want to have one of those nice conversations. Okay. So first of all, um, when somebody vents, when they're really um, uh, emotional, and especially if you feel that that's unfair, you'll probably want to be emotional back. How dare you speak to me like that? Show mm -hmm. some respect. That will be what's going on inside you. 
Um, but if you can go, okay, let them vent. Now let's hear. Let's really hear what's going on and grab a whole chunk of what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. You then have am- ammunition, if you want to call it that, parent ammunition, but you then have information as to what to go back in with. Okay. Don't try and stop that vent and please never use the words calm down. Okay. Because the calm down is actually one of the more inflammatory things. No one will ever, I think there's a little phrase that I remember seeing it on a billboard on Facebook or something. It was never in history of calm down has calm down ever calmed anybody <laughs> down or something. I can't, I, I should find it, but yeah. it's, these words don't work. Mm-hmm. So how do we manage that emotion? Number one, let them vent. Number two, label the emotion you see. Okay. I hear you is a good one. I hear you. I can see you're angry and I get the feeling what's made you angry is this, this or this. Okay. And I'm listening. Mm-hmm. You can always, if you, it turns into the bad behaviour thing, then you can always say, well, how is shouting going to help? Mm-hmm. Help me understand that. Uh, questions are always your friends in situations. Uh, in negotiation, we just always put a question back. Well, how do I do that? Okay. Everything from get me a million pounds in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I don't want to say no, but it is going to be no. And I'll go, well, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Work this out for me, please. Because you're asking me something that's incredibly difficult. Now, you can put that into... Um, any situation into business into mm-hmm. social into home and then how is this helping tell me tell me about that mm-hmm. you're angry for a reason you're angry at me or at least i'm receiving i'm on the receiving end of this mm-hmm. what's this about help me understand it i'm not a mind reader i'm sure you've used that one at least once or twice oh yeah i'm not a mind reader <laughs> <laughs> yes. so so that's it and here's a little a package that i i used to teach negotiators this and tell them it was their bread and butter and now it is beyond that. It is probably one of the most important things I ever taught them and I still use it from day to day and it's probably going to be quite handy for your your, your mums. And that is, there are two gentlemen by the name of Dan Shapiro and Roger Fisher. They were psychologists at Harvard now way back in the 80s, which isn't ancient history to me, but I'm <laughs> sure will be for some. They were working on a project um, all to do with negotiation and connection. And they uncovered there are five things that we require as human beings. Okay. And it's all attached to emotions. Mm -hmm. And these five things, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your um, occupation is, um, what age you are, you require these five things. So that means that already you and all your mums know this about every single person on this planet, Mm. even though you haven't met them. Okay. And therefore, it's valid about you, it's valid about your family, it's valid about your kids. And these five things are, now I'll send you, uh, if your mums want something, I'll send you some slides and you okay. can forward yeah, them out to them. Because I know at the moment they'll be listening to this, this yeah. is going to be a visual thing. <laughs> Number one is appreciation. Mm-hmm. Every single person requires to feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Now, that is that they've, they're valued for what they do and recognised for it. And why is that? Well... When we feel appreciated, then we're at one with the world. We're calm, we're balanced, and our emotion is just where you'd want it to be, on that seesaw, nice Mm -hmm. and calm. And to think about how it changes, just think of a time when you felt undervalued, Mm -hmm. when you have not felt appreciated, how that makes you feel. And then how that influences how you are with the other person. Um, You will there will be people who have left their jobs because they don't feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. 
And if their employer had just taken that time to make them feel valued, they would still be there. So these core emotional concerns push us into big decisions. And they were certainly relevant for every negotiation I've ever been involved in. Core emotional concerns played a part. So just think, first of all, how you feel appreciated. What makes you feel appreciated? And generally, there are five things. One are words that people say thank you for. Mm-hmm. You know, And when was the last time anybody said, thanks for making me my tea, Mum? Mm-hmm. That was really good. Mm-hmm. And it, how you feel when you do get that thank you. Um, the other one is service. Someone does something for you. And that might be Mother's Day. You get your cup of tea in bed or somebody tries to make your breakfast. Well, the effort they make into it makes you feel valued and appreciated. Um, gifts are another one. Some people's language of appreciation are gifts. So mm-hmm. if you find that you are a giver, that you do the surprise little gifts for people, and I don't mean in big elaborate things with bows and you know mm-hmm. um, big price tags. I mean in just little gifts, little acknowledgements. When it's somebody's birthday, you do a handwritten card. You know, it's like if somebody forgets your birthday when you think they should have remembered, it hurts. Yeah. So gifts are another thing. Um, uh, and touch, touch. Um, and even in my old world, if we'd had a bad day, just having uh, somebody put your, the hand on the shoulder mm-hmm. uh, just to say it's all right made you feel valued. Mm-hmm. So the the verbal, the service, the um, uh, the gifts, uh, the touch. Uh, there's another one. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. But basically, there are different languages of, of appreciation mm-hmm. and knowing what makes you feel appreciated is one thing because if people don't know that around you, how can they do it? It's usually a little combination of all, though. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that goes for kids. They want to feel appreciated. Um, the you know the person next door wants to feel appreciated. The shopkeeper wants to feel appreciated, mm-hmm. and so on. So there's five of these things. The next one is affiliation. We want to feel part of something. Mm-hmm. We're part of a tribe, part of a group. It could be family, but actually it might be your group. Your group, do people feel that they belong there, that they feel they can relax, they can be themselves and they can be safe. Mm -hmm. And it's a a group that they trust. And if that is, that's affiliation at work. That's where we'll migrate to. And if you think of it, feeling appreciated, feeling that you belong, that um, affiliation, it's an approach, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We don't avoid these things, we approach them. And that's where communication will work. The next one is autonomy. We all have to feel that we have the right to make our own decisions. Um, the freedom of speech, our freedom of choice, that we want to say, you know, we want to make the decisions. We don't feel cornered. We don't feel mm-hmm. um, out of control. And that will be a lot of what's happening with your mums when communication fails them, when I don't know what how to say this to deal with a troubled teenager yeah. or an awkward kid. Yeah. Actually, the, their control will be challenged in that and they will feel awkward, Um so it takes many forms, actually. These core emotional concerns can be changed by a number of things. So that's three of them. The next one is our role. We need to know our role. People around us need to know what that role is, what we stand for, and what are the parameters of behaviour within that. Mm-hmm. So um, I suppose within parental um, stuff, a mum has a very specific role. What do people recognise that means? Mm-hmm. Now, to kids, it might be that, that means mum, the role of mum means I can drop my clothes everywhere and she picks them up. <laughs> that's maybe learned behaviour by a kid. That mm-hmm. That's what happens. Um, it could be um, that your mum is also your best friend, in which case that's a very lovely relationship to have, but it actually can be quite difficult because 
where are the boundaries. Um, if you are a, a mum and a business owner and a friend and a this, and you have so many hats on, and that's with the same person, it gets difficult. Mm-hmm. So what are you recognised for? And what does that mean to the other person? And what's the parameters? And that's even worth a conversation in itself. Yeah, what yeah. does being a mum mean to you? Mm-hmm. you know, what does that mean? What, what does that mean about your behaviour, the way that you speak, the way that you do, you know, because actually um, that sometimes would be worthy of a conversation to say, well, actually, I'm going to change the parameters of that right now. This is yeah. not the, the mum I want to be. This is, this is the, here's my new rules. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'm not saying that will be easy, but it's like mm-hmm. um, I used to, when we had a probationer, a new police officer who had never, they'd just joined, we put them with a tutor. Mm-hmm. And they'd learn the ropes. And believe me, they made mistakes along the way. They they got embarrassed. They tripped up over things and whatever else. But at some point within their service, they have to stand on their own two feet. Mm-hmm. And they have to be recognised as worthy and able to do the job on their own. But if they have grown up within a team, yeah, allowing the rest of the team to see them in different eyes took a bit of work. And as a supervisor, we had to say, right, it's time to change their reputation. They're no longer, their role is no longer the probationer, mm-hmm. the learner. Their role is now a fully-fledged cop who is ready to take calls on their own and ready to run on their own. But sometimes that was difficult for people to let go of, the same as parents mm-hmm. letting go of the children's role. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are now away to university. And yeah. what does that mean? I, I will always be their mum, I'll always want to look out for them, but you no longer have to do all the same things you did. And that's actually quite difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult period of time for, for mums and dads to change their role, if you want to call it that. And the last one we all need is status. And that tells us that we matter. Mm-hmm. When we walk into a room, we're noticed. When we walked out, walk out of a room, that we're missed. Mm-hmm. That somebody notices that even though I have flaws and I'm not perfect, I still matter. And that is incredibly important. So these five things, so just a wee recap, that is um, appreciation, Mm -hmm. valued, affiliation, I belong somewhere, autonomy, um, I have the right to make my own decisions and I have to feel that I'm in control, role, what what is my role, what do Mm -hmm. I represent and what's that reputation that goes with it? And lastly, status, that is my importance within the world for being me now status you could also put ego i think we've all worked for some people who have big egos or we (laughs) watch them on television politically that you think that's an ego that needs an extra big door that fits (laughs) into status as well Mm -hmm. so all these five things if we all require them Mm -hmm. then that used to be the first port of call we would go to somebody who was emotional Okay. Because if you're emotionally balanced, all of these five things have to be right for you at that moment. Mm-hmm. So and uh, to think about that, think of a happy place. Think of somewhere that you want to be and people that are there. Yeah. And if all your mums are thinking about that now, they've probably yeah. got a smile on their face <laughs> because that's yeah. an approach. <laughs> you will want to be there because it represents a whole lot of good things to you. Mm-hmm. If you think of it in terms of your core appreciations, they will all be met within that environment. Mm -hmm. And that's why you feel good. Mm -hmm. Now think of times where you, um, where emotion changes, where suddenly we're angry or frustrated or annoyed, or even think about somewhere and someone that you don't want to be around. Mm -hmm. If you think of it in core emotional concern terms, you'll find that they've been undermined by 
that person, the situation, your beliefs about that situation. So if we take it all the way back to your original question, I realise I'm scared I'm talking too much, Adele. No, not at all. I'm happy for it. I think that the good thing about this is, you know, there's there's probably a lot of really good aha moments in each of the individual points that you've made throughout this. Because you're right, you know, communication in any form, whether it be with your children or with family or with work, it comes back into that central core, that, that kind of scaffolding, if you like, around, well, in order for it to be effective, it has to meet all of these. So regardless of whether there's mums listening to this that have children that are very young or career women with no children at all that are listening to this thinking I can really implement that with my boss because he is a child you know he's he's the biggest (laughs) child I know so you know I, I can implement that so I think that going back to all of that point yes there's there's so much out there that the skills that you've got I, I just wanted to be able to open up maybe minds a little bit more in that we don't always have to be yes or no parents. There are ways that we can communicate. Yeah. And you're right, I think, around the whole, you know, having autonomy and being able to, to be your own person as well is, is quite a big thing for kids, regardless of age, but especially through teenage and, and young adult life. Yeah, massively. Well, I suppose if we take all of that back to your original thing about how do you deal with mm-hmm. outbursts of emotion, yeah. well, first and foremost, can you identify what the trigger was and then quickly think, do they not, is, is the reason for that that they don't feel important, they don't feel that they've been you know, yeah. appreciated, they don't feel that they're getting control or they have a say in stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just take um, a daughter who's heading out for a night out and you think, not wearing that, you're not. <laughs> or you will mm-hmm. be in at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and there is a, a, a friction about it. Well, what's that about? Immediately you can think that's control, that's mm-hmm. autonomy. Mm-hmm. So you have a starting point for, I get the feeling, and here's something else when you're managing that, is that there are... Um, uh, is really important words in the you, we, and I. So before I finish, I want to mention them yeah. because they're really good tactics for you. Okay, fair. Um, but when there's an emotional outburst, if you can think of the trigger, the chances are your clues will sit within core emotional concerns and seldom is it one. A couple of ones that go together, though, um, are status and autonomy. People want to feel important and they want to have their own say in it. Mm-hmm. And if you um, if you take it to the workplace, that could be a boss who is controlling, micromanaging and is mm-hmm. quite um, autocratic, mm-hmm. doesn't let you have your say because they want to have control over anything. And that's incredibly difficult when you've been employed to do a certain job, you have the skills, the experience and the, the ability to do it. It feels like they're criticising your ability. Mm-hmm. But if you can suddenly see that that, that is his need, because that's what these five things are, needs. They're not just nice to have, they are needs that fit us. And although we all have them, we all have a different level of need. Some people will need a whole load of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Some people just want a wee thank you. Mm-hmm. Some people will need a whole load of control. Other people will be going, no, I'm okay, just tell me what to do mm-hmm. and I'll do it. We all need a bit of it, but the variation of it is different. And that's the, the knack is finding out. And how do you find out? People give clues. So when you have an emotional vent about, you never let me do anything I want to do, that's all about control. Okay. Now, there are a couple of stages. Now, my I did negotiate with teenagers. Um, I, it was mainly adults, 
but a lot of young adults, I've never negotiated with youngsters. But in the papers and research that I read, some of it covers, especially when you're dealing with emotion, because you're right, Mm -hmm. what you said right at the beginning is emotion changes as kids grow up. Mm -hmm. And the way we'd look at it is that actually with younger children, it's difficult because they don't have an upstairs to their emotions. You and I have an upstairs, downstairs house in our emotions. We have emotions, we understand them, but we can also try to see them from the other person's perspective. So we can think how would they feel about that Mm -hmm. a kid in its development especially the early years has no upstairs and they've no desire to think of what it's like for mummy or anybody else they are the center of their own universe and there's a couple of times in life where that core emotional concern the autonomy really spikes because if you think of it these core emotional concerns change as we as we change and what we needed five years ago will be different to what we need now and it'll be different to what we need in five years time so using these core emotional concerns in the moment is quite a good thing to think what is the trigger you've just said now mm-hmm. that that's how you're feeling in the moment and it's in the moment that's triggered the emotion therefore let's deal with the here and now not what happened five minutes ago or even you know mm-hmm. what's going to happen in you know an hour's time let's just deal with the here and now but with when kids are about two or three, that's when they suddenly realise that they are a person and they have rights. <laughs> and there's a paper that I read about, um, uh, they did, a, a, um, a, I suppose, a, an experiment, if you want to call it that, where they had kids come into a room. They had two identical toys, so there was no difference in it. One was behind perspex, so they could still see it, but they couldn't get to it. And the other one was free for them to just go and play with. Mm -hmm. And the two to three-year-olds, I can't remember the percentage now in that paper, but a high percentage, and I'm sure it was sitting 80-ish percent, kids wanted the one that they weren't allowed to get. Okay, The one that subliminally they couldn't get to. They wanted the one behind the perspex rather than the one that they could get to. And that was a bit, well, logically, Mm -hmm. well, why would you do that? That's easier to get to. No. You're telling me I can't have that. That means I want it. Yeah. That's when you're you're using the yellow crayon to draw the sun and they go, I want that. Now, they don't really want it. They just mm-hmm. want it. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, they draw a lot and then it goes to the side again. It's not because they really want to use it. Um, and that was two to three. And then there's another peak um, in round about teenagers. And it's mm-hmm. just at that transition from being a child to an adult. They want to be an adult, to be seen as an adult, but they still have childlike reactions mm-hmm. their emotions haven't really caught up on it and that's an incredibly difficult time and I, I did I encountered a few kids troubled kids that were um, in personal crisis and all I can say is that the amount of listening that I needed to do there and effort to understand was more than I needed with adults mm. um, and I suppose that might bring us on to the use of language that I was going to mention that I didn't want to leave without mentioning. Would that mm-hmm. be okay, Adele? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, yeah. in all honesty, the question sets that have all come through, um, and rather than just than read out each individual question, I think it would be quite good to just get you to give us a bit of an overview on, you know, we've touched upon listening and how to hear for maybe what's been the root cause um, right through now to then, well, how how do we then start to become more vocal with them? So how do we approach yeah. that? What's the communication, words, language, and maybe approach that us as parents can yeah. take? Yeah. Well, first of all, every one of us needs, and this is again a need, needs to feel heard, understood, respected. Okay. So even if we are listening, we have to demonstrate that we're listening. Right. And we usually manage that by reflecting back what you see in their emotion and what you believe is the issue. Um. 
it goes for us as well. Every, every pain, you'll get frustrated if you feel you've not been heard. Mm-hmm. So you every, the quickest way to feel appreciated is actually somebody listens and they take time and they demonstrate that they've heard what you've said. It doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. If I ask you right now, when was the last time you really felt listened to? Oh, you'll probably have to think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So when it does happen, it's noticeable and it's an incredibly connecting experience. So from the emotional vent, mm-hmm. listen, demonstrate that you're listening okay. and keep your own emotion in check. Something else that may happen, depending on the age of the person, is there's a thing called reciprocity. That's mm-hmm. the same rule. It's a human behaviour thing that we don't like being in someone's debt. So if I buy you a drink at the, at the bar, mm-hmm. you, you really don't want me to leave until you've bought me a drink back. Mm-hmm. That is the power of feeling you're in debt to someone. Okay. The art of not getting angry at someone and emotional at someone when they're emotional and angry at you mm-hmm. means that when they finally balance that seesaw out, they'll feel they owe you. Okay. They'll be in your debt. Mm-hmm. Now, they might equal that debt just by saying sorry. Yeah. They might equal the debt some other way, but they will be in their debt. If you get angry at them, you've equaled the score already. So there's a true tactic in not rising to the bait. Mm-hmm. So if that makes you feel empowered and in control, when you really do want to just get in there with the verbals, then try that out. Okay. And I hear you, the I being an important word. So let's speak about the I, you and we. Okay. You is a word that's overly used because we use it all the time. You are this, you are that, especially when we're putting a label someone. Mm -hmm. You're lazy, you're unproductive, you were not brought up that way, you come in late. Now, as soon as you use a you word, anything attached to that is taken personally and is giving the green light for someone to get defensive and to fight it. So you're absolutely right. There has to be rules and they are wrong mm-hmm. with their action. And, you know, the rules of the house and the rules that you've been played. But if you use the word you, you will make them either fight or flight. So okay. they're going to argue with you or they're going to go into a huffy silence and not speak for four days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, they might still do this. They might still. But give yourself a chance. Turn the you into an I. Okay. So instead of saying you're late, you're lazy, you're unproductive, you turn it into an I. I find it difficult to connect. I find it difficult for the to understand what's going on with you when okay. you're in late. Mm-hmm. I worry about you when you come home late. That's and there's good. three parts to an I message. I, when, because, and I actually needs this. Okay. So let's imagine Adele, you're my daughter mm-hmm. and you're you're you have uh right you've you've gone off the rails a bit you're coming in late two o'clock in the morning you're only 16 Mm -hmm. two o'clock in the morning you're smelling a drink and I don't know where you've been Mm -hmm. it would be easy especially when I am so worried as well as disappointed as well as all these negative emotions which really push us apart Mm -hmm. so tempted to give you both barrels when you come in and there might be occasions when that's fair and appropriate mm-hmm. especially if you don't do it all the time it's called the, called the contrast principle when you act differently to what you normally do it makes people take note okay and it used to be like we dad used to give us row a lot <laughs> but mum when mum gave us our we knew we had really step overstepped the mark that sort of thing mm-hmm. but that aside when you come in late next time first of all if you're intoxicated there's not a lot i can do because you cannot you cannot negotiate an intoxicated person okay but they won't hear you so if there's they anybody... Listen, they won't hear, they might rem- have words, but they won't remember it. Pick your time. 
Okay. During hangover is a good time. Just manage the situation <laughs> at that point. But you come in and just say, you're, you're okay, but you smell of drink. Mm-hmm. And I'm really angry. And in you come with the door slam and the, all that sort of thing. And it, something along the lines of Adele, I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to ang- get angry, but I'd like you to listen. Mm-hmm. As your mum, the you message can be positive. You are my daughter and I love you very much. Mm-hmm. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. Are you hearing me? And if they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what have I just said then? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, okay, don't tell me that. You love me. Yeah, that I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. I, when you come in late like that, I get worried. Mm-hmm. I worry that the police will end up at the door. And one night I'm going to hear bad news. And I'm worried that I'm going to have to come up to the hospital or worse to see mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I feel scared when this happens because I'm not informed, I'm out of control, and yeah. I just don't know where to go with that. I can't protect you. Now, you might get the, you don't have to protect me, I'm 16, I'm whatever else. <laughs> okay. I thought we could have an adult conversation here. Mm-hmm. Use silence to your advantage. Don't fill every gap. Okay. I, when, because. And then the thing is, separate the person from the problem. So you, Adele, aren't the problem. It's not you coming in late. Mm -hmm. It's not you drinking. And it's not, even if though it is, and it's not you smoking. And it's not you causing me worry. Once I get the I message out, Mm it would be, what's the story with the coming in late and the Mm -hmm. drinking Mm -hmm. and the fascination with night, you know, night, nightlife? Help me understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's probably something that resonated with me very, very quickly when I heard you talk um, the very first time when I joined the webinar and you talked a lot about the you message. And it was something that in, immediately I then used after I came off that webinar because I'm a very you person. So you've not picked up this, you've not done that. I asked you to take your bowl through and you've not done it. And straight away, it just causes conflict in the household. And we get the screaming, the shouting, the slamming of doors, you know, the huffing up the stairs. So it's something that I've implemented myself over the last couple of weeks. And the household has been a lot more relaxed, but it isn't, it wasn't easy. So from my point of view, I've had to very much do a whole, right, what did Cathy say about that you message again <laughs> in my head to then have a think about, don't react immediately, take three seconds in your head to think about what you're saying and then say it. You know, it doesn't have to be a complete in the off the cuff retaliation. So I would say that from a personal perspective, I've benefited a lot from listening to what you've had to say. And certainly from from being able to then, and, and not just with my children, not just with, with Clara and Shannon, but also with my husband and my own mum, I've been able to use these skills in communication to actually alleviate a lot of stressors from situations. Um, it just felt too gold dust and, and beneficial to not share across this podcast platform with others. Well, hopefully we've managed that. Yeah, um, thank you. It, it works well. There'll be a few nuggets in there that'll hopefully help. 
but it's nice to hear that something as simple as a change of word has made a difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, if you think of it, we're never really taught to communicate. We're no. taught how to read write. We're taught to speak properly and pronounce correctly. But little subtle things like that. Yeah. And it's not a secret. The yeah. more people that know that, even if your kids knew that, yes. you know, yeah. try using an I message rather than a you message and you might find it will work for you better. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a very, very good, it's a very good piece of core information you know and, and I think that from from a children's point of view there's a lot of knowledge out there I suppose from different psychologists and child specialists that will, will teach adults but we have to go and find this information so we're not like you say we're not taught it as we become parents that actually here's a, a handbook on how to deal with every age you know absolute gold dust if someone has that um, and part of that, you know, it's a lot about they'll come out with statements around if a child is absolutely losing it, then holding, touching, holding them to then say, use your words, tell me what's wrong. And that will sometimes bring them out of that, that toddler moment. But equally, it, it's then probably looking at it from a teenager, young adult point of view, that same technique might not be as effective so it's probably about being able to, to get them to just explode and have their moment is what we're saying and then being able to say, OK, let, let's talk, you know, yeah, what seems definitely. to be the, the root I, cause. I, I'm so conscious of your time, um, but the, the thing with young adults is that they do want to be adults. Teenagers want to be, they always have, we did. Mm -hmm. And if we can actually give them a taste of, OK, I hear you, mm -hmm. um, and refer to them as young adults rather mm -hmm. than kids. Yeah. Okay, you're a young adult, you're finding your way in the world, and I'm still here to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to be able to talk about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And if they stamp away in a childlike way, you can say, well, is that the way that you see an adult acting? Mm -hmm. Because... If that's the if that's where you feel you are in life, then why have you just stamped your your feet and slammed the door? Because that's something I see in a child, not in a young adult. Yeah. And as your parent, I want to support you in where you are. Mm -hmm. And if you want me to treat you like an adult, then I know that this is probably phrases you've all used. <laughs> then it would be it would be helpful if everything went adult like. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, that's a childlike reaction, mm -hmm. which makes me, i.e., that is a childlike reaction, not you are acting like a child. Uh -huh. Stamping your feet is like a childlike reaction. And my only experience as a, as a parent is to treat that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in that way, in mm -hmm. which case I tell you to go to your room, not to come out until you want to say sorry. Uh, you know, are you going to make me use the naughty step next? Yeah. Where are we with this? Yeah. Let's have a proper conversation. Mm -hmm. And it might be, I mean, teens in their own way probably don't want to have conversations, mm -hmm. but it's part of adulthood. If you can make everything, weave everything into the bubble that they want to be seen in, they want to be an adult, they want to make their own decisions, they mm -hmm. believe that they're capable of doing it. Yeah. Well, okay, let's feed these things until they realise they don't. Yeah. And always like throw questions like your friend, how do we do that? How mm -hmm. does that work? Mm -hmm. How do you see that? What's the logistics of it? I like what that. What do you that's, think might be the pop that's pitfalls? Yeah, around making, you know, we're not there to solve everything for them as much as I think a lot of children look to their parents as you'll just make everything right for me. 
but actually my style of parenting is and from a very young age I was very much they have to learn to do this so having twins you know it was it was very demanding on my time anyway it's demanding having one never mind two or more so even things like putting their shoes on and dressing themselves from a very young age as much as they'd end up on the wrong feet half the time it was still you know teaching them early on I'm not here to do everything for them and I, and I have never been that type of parent but I think as I personally move into the next stage now where my girls will soon be 10 you know we're going to have changes and emotions hormones body you know physical and mental changes so it's preparing ourselves for what's to come and just hoping that we don't screw it up in the process for them as they become these adults and I think there's a you know at the very start when you hit on there there's a there is a lot of pressure especially as the world evolves and you know we're not in 1980s or 1970s anymore the world is a different place yep definitely and (laughs) what I would say is the you have your group you have the podcast running Mm -hmm. the intention is there the desire is there and therefore what Mm -hmm. more can you do yeah exactly that's it you have the passion and the interest Mm -hmm. um you're grabbing tactics from different places Mm -hmm. now there's no way what i'm saying is this is just communication Mm -hmm. it's not completely centered on kids or that i would never pretend i don't have Mm -hmm. the psychology um, qualifications or experience to tell you how to manage kids I can just tell you some communication stuff that yeah. works and yeah. has worked for me over the years. And it's practical. It's not just a theoretical thing. It's like, use this because mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. I've tried and tested it. And, mm-hmm. I've, you know, it's it's helped in, terrible, in some terrible situations. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, it will not work 100% of the time with 100% of the people. Mm-hmm. But it works far better because there's a structure and a system to it than just using the, the, the communication we've evolved into using mm-hmm. because we just happen to get by by it. Yeah. So I hope there's something in there. But if if there's any big, big questions afterwards mm-hmm. that need a little bit of explanation, I'm happy to help but further Adele. Just let me Brilliant. know. Brilliant. Um, Kathy, listen, thank you so much. Don't be stuck. Yeah, I honestly I'm sure that all the listeners have enjoyed this. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And if somebody does want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? And I if you want to, to give them some details now, I can also pop your um, website and some of your Instagram handles into the the core of the um, episode details probably through either website Mm -hmm. that's just www.artofcommunication.co.uk I'm on Facebook I'm on Instagram Mm -hmm. um, and LinkedIn um, and I'm there or thereabouts that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me Um, or through yourself if you want to drop me a message basically please don't be stuck Mm-hmm. You've got a tough job and um, I say that respectfully and, um, you know, I'm happy to help if I can. Brilliant. Thank you. You're very welcome. You take care.